Welcome to the 12th episode of Megaten Marathon. It's a game-by-game podcast going through the uh, Shin Megami Tensei and Persona games. I'm Paul M. Davis. Who am I here with? It's me. It's Brian. How's it going, everybody? Pretty good. Hey, and I'm Evan Noggle. And it's just the just the three of us this time, and we uh, we have a special um, holiday treat for our listeners. Uh, we are doing the manga based on the first Persona game, which I believe is um, titled. And the people on uh, something awful forums are going to be really mad at me about this. Uh, I believe it's titled Megami in Ibun Roku Persona. You know, can anybody it, else pres- uh, pronounce that better than I can? Um, probably not. And you know what? Let's just you know, if we mispronounce something, we just got to move on, or people are going to bring out pitchforks. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So, uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. We got you a recap of a mediocre manga. Hooray! <laughs> and uh, you know, just because uh, it's Christmas time, I, I got to take a moment to uh, plug my new holiday-themed uh, beverage uh, for for SMT fans, Personog. It's a uh, <laughs> eggnog that I bought at the grocery store that I drew Persona characters on. Oh, excellent. I looked into this artist a little. She she does like a, a, a real mix of like licensed stuff that she's hired on for and her own idea stuff. Her own idea stuff doesn't look that interesting, but... I haven't actually invested. I'm trying to pull up a name. I meant to write it down, it's, and I fucking didn't. Is it Ueda Shinshu? I believe that is correct. Yes. I've got I mean, the first issue open right now. For the most part, the art is okay. Like it, It's not spectacular. It's not going to blow anybody away. Uh, and it's just representative enough of the art of the game that it's everything's recognizable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like... The, the word I would use to describe almost all of this manga is just forgettable. Like, as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to promptly forget half of what this thing was about. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's so weird. The one thing, when we're talking about, like, true to the gameness, there's a... It's true to the game in one of the weirdest ways I've ever seen an adaption be true to its source material. Like, it's it thinks about the mechanics of the game in like it makes it part of the plot and i mean i guess that makes sense it just feels so weird that these characters are shouting their magical spells and (laughs) it, it makes the parts where they don't follow the rules all the more apparent because the majority of the time it seems that they care about the rules and then occasionally there's 20 pages like an entire issue devoted to just explaining like a really basic plot point or basic like game mechanic. You know, and there was a lot of they tried to expand on every side character, which I appreciated, but I don't think think they've succeeded very well. I don't really think the author knows much about like how to do a complete character arc. No. And the thing is, like, I don't know if we mentioned this already, but this is just straight up a recap of Persona 1's story, the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think this manga would really be interesting or make a whole lot of sense if you haven't already played the game. 
because it just kind of throws characters at you and expects you to understand who they are. There is a point in like issue, I think like 32, where they finally get around to like having a page where it's like, here's who these characters are. <laughs> yeah, it does, it does have those cards at like the very beginning that says, oh, this is Nanjo. He's kind of an asshole. And also he's the heir to a fortune yeah. and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, there's, there's, there's also, I mean, this is one of the problems with like ad- adaptations of video games in general, but you know, it's like maybe a certain video game mechanic doesn't really need like a plot based explanation. And maybe it's better if you don't do that because you know, it's, it's, the idea, the concept of personas is really resonant and interesting, but not in the sense that somebody yells persona and then, oh, you know, yeah. all of a sudden, like some weird, like demon monster shows up like that. I don't know that just kind of uh, undermines sort of like the sort of weird, like kind of metaphorical role that personas play in these games. Oh yeah, and and the way they use personas here is totally baffling too because so it, in the games you switch persona a lot. It it kind of explains that a little bit early on, but then throughout the entire manga it seems like all the heroes are summoning just random ass personas. Like sometimes they'll summon the same persona twice, but it's like uh, with Raiji, the first persona he summons is Loki. And then out of nowhere, the second time he summons a persona, oh, it's Mott, his ultimate persona. It doesn't explain that. It's just all of a sudden, instead of Loki, he summons his persona and it's a coffin with a hand reaching out of it. And, like, that's cool. Like, I, I get it. Like, I recognize that as his ultimate persona. But if you haven't beat the game and you hadn't maxed up his persona, you'd have no idea what's going on. It's like, okay, well, I guess he's summoning a different demon now. Yeah, it, it didn't matter at all. And they still tried to make us feel like each kid had an individual persona for no good reason. But, like, there was – this book felt so crowded. Now I understand why in the game you're limited to five party members. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, several thoughts <laughs> enter my mind right now. Um, there's so much to say. I have so much to go through over now. The first thing I want to address, though, um, is – I don't know if I've really talked about this on the show, but, like, I'm a major comic book person – I've, I talk about them a lot. I think about them a lot. Um, if you guys ever want a really good comic book podcast, I recommend View from the Gutters. It's like a po- it's like a book club, but a podcast. It's great. Um, I like comics a lot, guys. And I was excited to read this just because it's a comic, really. Mm-hmm. And I just haven't had an excuse to read a, a longer comic in a while. Um, let me say this, though. I was not expecting this to be eight fucking books long. <laughs> I thought this was like four books long. Yeah, this was shockingly I long. forget. Like, sometimes manga, sometimes there are manga that fit, like, 11 chapters in a book, and sometimes they only fit, like, five. And this is one of the ones that only fit, like, five or six chapters a book. And there were 44 chapters. Yeah. Um, but that was annoying. Anyway, so as a comic critic, I have to say that, you know, this uh, panel-wise, there was some really interesting stuff going on from time to time. Um it was mostly, though, when the artist was experimenting, and they didn't experiment a lot. But there was, like, so there was this one instance I'm, I can think of where um, 
Well, okay, so th- there's this really weird out of context panel that I like to link people of Maki lifting her skirt up because, <laughs> and then she says uh, something like, "See if you can handle this," <laughs> and then you, then panel, which is it's a page turn. So, guys, I don't know if you know this, but there's a thing in comics called the page turn reveal. Uh-huh. And that's a page turn reveal. You don't know what's about to happen until you turn that page over. Because, like, as you're staring at the page, if it was a physical book, you'd be staring off into the distance at the end of that page because there's nothing there. Right. And then, bam, reveal. Um, just some inside baseball for you. Um, but anyway, so then you find out she has a gun. And that particular panel where um, she has the gun revealed, her skirt just above her like her upper thigh area where her gun is uh, turns into a panel transition. And then from the outline of her skirt turns into those action lines. You see an anime that turn into the background of her standing there holding the gun in a powerful stance. And I thought that was a really nice series of panels. Like it was well thought out, um, kind of dumb out of context, but like a really like just from a comic perspective, very well done. Yeah, not knowing a lot, like, a lot of the, like, single-page panels or, you know, larger larger images, like, were you know, seem really well laid out, you know, if I was talking about it, like, using the language of movies, you know, it's like, they're, they're, they're well-composed, well-composed yeah. dots or well-composed images, you know. Um, on, a, on a micro level? And, like, if I were a comic book editor, the reason I would not hire this person is because their anatomy is wonky as fuck. <laughs> their faces specifically seem to have a problem, like, just even being centered most of the time. Yeah, I, I didn't key in on that specifically, but I definitely noticed, like, I wasn't sure if it was intentional or not, but a lot of folks have really huge mouths sometimes. Like, mouths that seem to span, like, the entire... Almost like a South Park Canadian mouth that just spans the entire head. <laughs> my my guess is that when uh, they work on the – when this artist works on their licensed properties, they probably rush it a little bit to get it done faster. Um, so I'm not saying necessarily that they're a bad artist, but this this particular book definitely suffered through whatever deadlines were imposed or something. Yeah, and it definitely suffers from the, like, anime and manga, like, um, incomprehensible, uh, like, I don't know, two or three page action scene where it's just, like, a bunch of lines, a bunch of, like, screaming faces, and what Mm -hmm. is actually going on in those panels is completely, um... A mystery, at least to me. <laughs> and, and listeners, if you're wondering, is there an action sequence for every single boss in the game? <laughs> yes. Yes, there is. You wanted to see an entire, like, two chapters dedicated to Tesso, the rat tank? <laughs> yeah, that's in there. Yeah, not only does this... They spend a lot... Oh, go ahead. They spend a, a more number of pages fighting the harem queen than they do Pandora. Yeah. If you also, if you want to see the main protagonist um, having some bizarre emotional uh, reaction that isn't explained to a um, teddy bear doll, about fifteen pages of that, uh, you can you can get that in this in this manga. Um, 
you know, just because we're on the note of the main character, uh, the manga does name him. His official name is uh, the given name, Todo. Man, I probably pronounced that all fucked up. T-O-U-D-O-U, okay? And then surname, Naoya. Yeah, and if we're talking about the main... Not a very interesting name. If we're talking about the main character, do we want to go into the big thing about the manga, which is the one major difference from the Persona games? Um, You know, I don't think it's the one major difference. There, I think there are a few, but there's it is the biggest major difference. Yeah. Um, so... So let's let, yeah, let's just talk about big differences real quick. Let's save that one for the end, though. Um, first big difference: uh, they do insert the the Ice Queen plot in there for no good reason. Um, they have to because of the way the story works. You have to know enough to get to the Snow Queen stuff, but you can't know too much. So they stick it right after the he makes the other reality. Uh, Kandori makes the other reality with the Ziggurat. Right. So at, right after that, they just go into the Snow Queen stuff, and it's, I don't know, I didn't feel like it added anything. It didn't really seem to make sense either. No, like, th- there was a lot in this manga that th- there were moments of lucidity surrounded by just this crushing mass of totally inane exposition. And the entire Snow Queen quest mm-hmm. felt like inane exposition. It's like, okay, well, I guess there's a Mackie with a really gross-looking face who summons the Snow Queen, who's also a mask, and yeah, it, it makes no sense. Like, it sounds incoherent, because I, I assume if I'd played the Snow Queen quest, uh, I would have recognized more elements of that, but like, I read the recap, uh, l- listened to you talk about that in the last episode, Brian. It's mm. it's an instance of, like, this manga really cannot stand alone uh, without the context of the games behind it, and it really shows in the one portion of the game that we didn't play. Mm-hmm. It's 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 just I feel like it only exists. So if you get like if you get teary eyed, reminiscent about the Persona One storyline, but you're like, I don't have eighty hours to play that game again. You can just read this, but I don't know who that is. Like, who is that person? Um. Yeah, it's a really good question. Maybe, I mean, you know, maybe somebody who was like, "Man, I remember this game from fifteen years ago." Maybe. I don't want to play it again, but, you know, maybe I'll, uh, you know, relive my fond memories through this. There's just there's just too much wankery for the game. Like, it's too much fan wankery. Like, the fact that they, they say any of the spell names at all and they just don't appear. Like, if they appeared in, like, an, a spell book or something that they're learning, that would make more sense to me. Like, if they, you just see it written down. But the fact that they have to say it out loud just is ridiculous. I'm sorry I keep bringing that up, but it's like... <laughs> It's my biggest pet peeve about the the whole thing, and I I think it's a book I, I kind of have a lot of pet peeves with, but ultimately I think it's, like, exactly middle of the road. Like, I don't hate it. I don't like it. It's just there. Well, I mean, it's like the worst stereotype of, like, anime, where it's, like, just a bunch of people yelling out, like, random words that mean <laughs> what their, <laughs> what their uh, battle technique is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like a weird right. mix of um, semi incoherent battle sequences and then like pseudo philosophical hand wringing in between. It's like, well, that was a fun fight. Mm. Now get prepared for twenty pages of us talking about how uncertain we are about what to do next. <laughs> yeah, the man. 
Like right at the beginning, you get pseudo philosophical shit. With that. there's that scene with Nanjo and the teacher, and they're talking about that that poem about <laughs> being a butterfly from ancient China, and just the teacher he. Nanjo basically said, hey, teacher, can we actually talk about this instead of just reciting it and memorizing it? And the teacher's like, but I don't I don't have time to explain things in class. <laughs> and then Nanjo is like, I see I've overstepped my boundaries. It's the weirdest scene. I mean, I guess I get it, but it's so weird. I don't think it's a very good character building scene, really. I get the point of it, but just the execution. Ugh. Well, it is true to uh, the persona um, running theme of uh, teachers being really incompetent at their jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Which will continue into uh, later persona games. Okay. Okay, Evan, now we can talk about the big reveal. You take the lead here. Yeah, so um, the the big addition to this manga is that the main character is not alone. He has a twin brother uh, that died when he was young uh, in a car accident. Uh, this isn't clear at first because all of a sudden there's just another main character. Only this other main character is an asshole and tries to kill your party and hits on the girls and is doesn't have any earrings. And that's kind of all that you know about this character for most of these books. Like he doesn't have a personality beyond <laughs> he's kind of a dick and he doesn't have an earring. <laughs> the, uh, this book – has decided that the most important question of Persona that remained unanswered is why the protagonist pierced his ear. (laughs) Yeah, so like... It's like the episode of Lost where they were like, let's explain uh, where uh, Jack's tattoos came from. Oh, so this was this was the manga artist protest, like, if you make me me stretch this out, this is the kind of storyline you're going to get. And, and, like, there's a really weird catharsis at the very end where, in his moment of self-actualization, the protagonist rips his earring out. It's like, oh, oh okay, that that I'm, that says something. I'm not sure what, but I guess you're saying something by injuring yourself. Uh, but, yeah, like, it, it, it apropos of nothing, they decided to make the protagonist the uh, twin of somebody who died. Uh, he has hallucinations of his mom trying to strangle him and kill him uh, because he should have died instead of his brother. Only... It's eventually revealed that the protagonist, the, the guy that comes in and tries to kill you and kill your party, isn't really the protagonist's twin. He's not the protagonist. He is kind of like how Mackie has multiple uh, iterations of herself in this world. He is the manifestation of all the malice and hate of the protagonist, uh, which dovetails back into the Persona story because once you realize, oh, this is my malice and my hatred, I'm going to come to terms with this, then he turns into that cool dude in the arcade who's like, hey, let me tell you about what you've been doing lately. The kind of person you are. So, it, I liked those se- like so. Everything about this other protagonist was totally unnecessary. That said, I really liked it. Like every time, every time I would read to that, every time I turned the page and that protagonist was there and his evil twin was there, I get kind of excited. I I don't know why because it was terrible and stupid, but I, I guess with different. a book like yeah, it's different. I I, I kind of got to take what I can get with a book like this. Yeah. It wasn't just like, you know, a visual representation of the game that you just played or uh, spent the last six six or eight weeks playing. Yeah, it wasn't another ten pages of exposition about the most boring parts of the game we just beat. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so there, um, are we done talking about that for the moment? I'm, I'm sure we'll bring up more points about it later, but now that we got that out of the way, are we good to just oh, sort yeah. of share random thoughts? 
Well, so the Persona 1 manga brings up a very interesting point about the Lovecraftian inclusions into the monster pantheon. Um, they uh, ask, uh, you know, that uh, the Lovecraftian monsters were created by an author. They're not folklore or religion or legend. They are made by one specific person. Um, so what's going on with that exactly? Now, the it doesn't really answer it. I guess it's implied that because it's all in Maki's head, she read Lovecraft at some point. Yeah, you could say that's the implication. I mean... But that's a boring answer, and that also doesn't explain it in the other Persona games. So, so the problem is... It just explains it in this love, one instance. They're Lovecraft tulpas. Clear, I mean, that's the only thing. <laughs> the only, the only uh, explanation we can we can really uh, pull out from that. Well, it, it's never adequately explained because I don't think it's ever adequately explained to the games. Like uh, normally, when somebody brings up a question like that, like "Hey, why is this here?" There's an implied answer that you can kind of get by reading the text. There's nothing here. They just bring up this question and go, "Huh? Yeah," and then move <laughs> on to the next thing. That that's that sure happened, yeah, yeah. It's really strange. <laughs> I mean, and the thing is, like, it's it's kind of a mistake because, like, one of the things that's that's really charming, but also there's no there's going to be no satisfying explanation for the fact that you know your your cast of demons in the SMT and Persona games are everything from, like, you know, weird Old Testament, you know, uh, part, you know, characters, you know, or figures from, like, the Old Testament pantheon to, like, Lovecraft to, like, weird, like, cryptids from around the world to, like, you know, Yakuza zombies. I mean, there's no... You're, you're never going to find, like you know, a satisfying through line to explain that. So it's, it's better just to leave it <laughs> as like, you know, a cool stylistic choice that, uh, the game designers have chosen. Yeah. And I think you really put your finger on the thing that is, again, like I love mega 10 games, but the thing that kind of stinks about them is like every time you play a different game, it gives you a different explanation for that. In some games it's because, Oh, well, these are all old gods that, um, they were they were cursed to become demons, and that's why they're the way they are. They used to be gods, but now they're Bigfoot or whatever. Uh, in other right. games, it's because oh well, it's Bigfoot because Bigfoot is a thing that people think of as this monster. So Bigfoot is a manifestation of people's ideas of Bigfoot, and it changes so much from game to game that I mean, it's almost as if they have this massive cache of assets and characters, and they just keep using it over and over again without consideration for um, <laughs> without consideration for theme. Huh. Yeah, it's weird how that, that lines up like that. <laughs> anyway, um, guys, I don't think I have anything else to say about the Persona manga. Yeah, there was some other minor stuff, like um, the Raiji stuff was a little bit out of sequence, uh, but not in a huge way. There was a little bit more vi violence than I was expecting. There's a lot of out of sequence stuff. I like the violence, but I always feel like the violence is implied in Persona games. The violence was implied, but like in a weird way, they didn't... Did you notice that the party didn't kill any people? Like they were they were going out of their way to make sure that every human that they fought was still alive at the end. Yeah, that's true. That's really weird. But didn't we say that this had the lowest body count of a Persona game anyway? Yeah, because I don't think it has the lowest body count of a Persona game, but it has the lowest body count of uh, an SMT game that we've played so far. 
Yeah, because you're only talking about a city block instead of, you know, the world. You know, actually, I I did have another thought. So near the beginning, uh, the the, the manga makes great pains to uh, show you that almost anybody could have a persona. There's a fat kid who's uh, poked and made fun of, and he suddenly grows a persona. And it makes you believe that the, the manga is going to play out more like a shonen where they're fighting stronger and stronger personas. And I guess they do still kind of imply that, but then it's not personas at all. It's just what Maki thinks of other people. I, I almost felt Guys, like that. So what the fuck is the plot of Persona 1? Where did the personas come from? It's a, it's a uh, really good question. I mean... If you try and, like, you know, break down and, you know, figure out what the plot of Persona 1 is, I mean, you're you're just going to drive yourself mad because, I mean, we've got what? We've got parallel dimensions. We've got something. We've got an evil corporation (laughs) that's trying to create, you know, Parallel dimensions, you know, or portal. And I'm pretty sure the mob, the mob is involved somehow. And there's, there's just like, there's five like planes of reality that the persona plot is taking place mm-hmm. on. And we don't need five. We just need like two guys. And also, you know, I mean, we talked about this in the last episode, but you know, the idea in the other persona games is that the persona somehow reveals something about your your true self and you know it's like some you go through this self-actualization process which is you know usually portrayed in some kind of like supernatural way um and Philmon talks about that early on in the game and then at the end of the game it talks about how you've all like really like learned so much about yourself but for the most part you haven't your characters haven't really learned a whole lot about themselves. And even if Philemon says that, that what, that's what the personas are supposed to um, symbolize, like, they they don't really have any any kind of link to that whatsoever uh, in the first game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that whole thing with that fat kid in the beginning and the talk of... Oh yeah, personas can be good, but they can also be bad. Like th- that seemed to be setting up a greater conflict with your main character and his alter ego and that alter ego's personas, but yeah, like there's there's no payoff, there's no message, there's no like yeah, yeah, the hero accepted the other part of himself as himself, but it it doesn't explain why what his it doesn't even explain what his inner conflict is other than yeah, I guess he has some fucked up feelings because his twin died when he was young. Like okay, that's not really character development. You're just pointing out that traumatic events are traumatic. Uh, I mean, at a certain well, point, you know, it's like, how much are you going to expect from the plot of a, you know, PlayStation one JRPG, but you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's halfway, halfway towards a good plot, but you know, or at least, but it's, but but if it's only halfway, it's also halfway towards. Not yeah, precisely. <laughs> I mean, I think the, I it think has the is... like some interesting thematic resonances for a game of its time. You know, and it it's ambitious in its plot that a lot of in ways that a lot of games of its time were not. But 
when we look at it like in retrospect, it just you know it just doesn't really hold up that well. Oh yeah, like both both looking at it in retrospect, but also like stripping it out of the context of a PlayStation One game and presenting it as, hey, here's a graphic novel, a manga with this terrible story. It, again, not, not terrible, but this really mediocre story. Like it, there's there's nothing else to distract you from the fact that it kind of doesn't go anywhere. It kind of doesn't say anything, and it kind of doesn't do anything. Ah, yep. I don't know. I think that's the best way to to phrase it, honestly. I think uh, it's time to give out closing thoughts, guys. I got nothing. <laughs> this is you. This is my definitive statement on the Persona manga. Eh. I, I liked some of the creepy faces in it. There were some really good, like, person holding their head in their hands while smiling eerily, which is a thing that tons of mangas have. But every time I see it, it's like, ah, yeah, that's that's kind of creepy. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are some pretty cool, as we discussed, there are some pretty cool looking panels. There was some interesting design choices that were taken. Um, I Nothing to write home about, I, I I found it, even having played the game and knowing more or less the plot, I found it incredibly hard to follow from, like, page to page what the hell was going on? I, when it wasn't just like really basic exposition, um, I, 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 I would read five pages and then I would go back and reread them because I was like, wait, who's, who's this character and why are they doing what they're doing? I don't, I don't, I just had a, this like really hard time following what, what was going on. Um, when it wasn't being explained to me in painful, painful detail <laughs> so those are the two extremes not knowing what was going on or knowing it too yeah. too well um <laughs> all right so uh what do we got coming up we got strange journey happening yeah, next yeah. um gonna be a good time uh we got a bunch of other stuff we just announced it listen to the end of the persona one part three episode because we say it all there bunch of stuff coming up it's going to be a good year i think we can officially call this the end of season one per uh smt origins yeah i think that's a good way of putting it we've touched all the foundations of the series the megami tensei shin megami tensei and persona mm-hmm. everything else is just iterations on these themes that we've already established yep. and uh yeah it goes it's gonna go in some uh interesting and weird directions from here but yeah you know the the basics we've we've really hit the basics yeah now we can move on to the good games <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so uh strange journey perfect timing i can put in my 3ds and play it on the plane and i've already i've played it in the past so i'm looking forward to uh getting back to it well, from all of us here at Mega Ten Marathon, we wish you all a Mara Christmas. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and a... Uh, That's two puns for me tonight, guys. My pun game is on point tonight. And a uh, frosty new year. Yeah. So, guys, uh, speaking of my personog... Oh, sorry, Evan, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I just said, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. agreeing with Paul. So, speaking... <laughs> I'm sorry. The lag here is just bad enough that I keep speaking <laughs> over everybody. <laughs> oh, we forgot, to, we forgot so, to mention one thing that I think is actually worth pointing out because it's excellent. And that's um, go for it. when they try to explain demon negotiation in the manga. 
Like, <laughs> oh god, that's so weird. Yeah, like out of out, out yeah. of nowhere, they're like, uh, I think it was Brown that figures out. He's like, yeah. So I got ambushed on the way to the school, and I suddenly realized I can just talk to these demons, and if I make them laugh, they'll give me something. And so, like, your party gets ambushed by like this this swarm of uh, Jack Frosts that just starts just yelling hi he hi ho, and apparently uh, shouting bad Japanese puns at you that don't translate. And, and like they shout at you long enough, and they're like, "Ha, huh, we like you guys." Anyway, here's an item. <laughs> Bye. My favorite part of that is that what Brown makes a meta comment about the grinding in the game, and he says, "There's too many demons for you to fight all of them." <laughs> well, that's great. Okay, uh, you know, I don't think there was any uh, Brown dances crazy. No, the, uh, oh, Mark. Mark, Mark yeah, dances crazy. Yeah, no, it did not happen. At least not if, unless I missed it. Could have been some dumb small joke somewhere that I didn't see. But I gotta admit, there's a certain part where my eyes just sort of started glazing oh, yeah. over at the dialogue. Couldn't be helped. It wasn't very interesting. I think uh, if Mark had danced crazy, you would have noticed. I would have noticed Mark dancing crazy for sure. <laughs> um, all right, guys, I got I got just some a little. A little something to tell you about Personog. Um, it's flying off the shelves, so if you guys want some, you got to get some now. I mean, I dropped off a crate at the local grocery store. Um, it went down to one bottle instantly. I saw an old man kick a small child <laughs> to grab the last bottle of Personog. And the child, like, he asked the old man, why? And the old man replied, life he, life ho, he ho, it's not fair. 